in three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. How about you? Not much. Uh, enjoying the warm weather. People were complaining that we had no uh, no summer, and then all of a sudden summer's hit hard. Now people are complaining that it's too hot out. I know. You can't please anybody or everybody all the time. No, it's like you can't please them at any time anymore. I know. It's uh, too hot, too cold. It's raining. It's too sunny. <laughs> it's like the three bears. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's episode 60, and every... Um, 10th episode, we try to explain what Wheelhouse is to you guys in case you're new to the show and haven't been watching us. And for those of you who have been watching us, here's a little refresher. Um, John and I came up with this idea about a year and, uh, I don't know, year and a quarter or so ago, mm-hmm. and we wanted to showcase local and now almost national, and we had somebody from a different country last week or a, a father mm-hmm. and a daughter from another country that are entrepreneurs, influencers, um, just people who can teach us something about growing a business, growing a presence, being somebody of influence. And we want to tell their story, learn about them, and hopefully um, teach you guys something that they've learned along the way. So uh, this is episode 60. We have a guest coming back who is a past guest, and he's incredible, and we're going to get into him in a second. But mm-hmm. we really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us, share us, comment in our videos. We are live on Facebook every Wednesday at 3 o'clock. We're also uh, on YouTube. We are on, John's going to help me with this because I always <laughs> goof it up. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Did I get it all? You did. Okay, Very awesome. Good. So we're everywhere you guys can be seen and heard. Please continue to share us, love us, comment for us, um, and just tell your friends about us. And if you have anybody that you think would be a great guest on the show, reach out to John and I. We'd love to have him on the show. Or if Absolutely. you think you'd be a great guest for the show, um, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on. A lot of my friends who probably won't make good guests <laughs> are probably going to be like, hey, I want to be on me, the show. Me, 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 um, me. I think the show is going to be a long one and an informative one. So I'll let you, John, go ahead and do your shout outs. Because I think last last week we missed a shout out. Wait, me first? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm going to shout out my racing team from this weekend, actually. Um, I don't shout out my own stuff that much. I'm not really shouting myself out. But uh, round three racing gave me an opportunity this year to race a couple races with them. They've been so awesome to me. Um, Team owners, Buzz and Brad McCall. Um, allowed me to come and race these cars with him. Mark Gamora builds the most incredible cars, so he's like the crew chief. My uh, car chief from this weekend, Brian DeFrank, who uh, we had a lot of jokes back and forth about me being Cole Trickle and him being Harry from Days of Thunder. <laughs> but I uh, had a blast with them this weekend. It was hot in Indy. I got to drive the Formula One track, which was nostalgic for me because I used to go watch it with my dad uh, every year that Formula One was in town. So big shout out to them for all the hard work. It was 100 degrees out this weekend. A lot of us drivers have a good time driving the car, but you got crew members who have to put on Nomex suits and jump out there when it's 100 degrees and you know fuel cars, change tires, fix damage. Um, so for those guys who, uh, who made my weekend absolutely incredible, thank you guys. Sweet. How did the... How'd the race go? It went, it went really well. We um, crappy at the beginning and then really well at the end. Well. So we had a little issue with our window net, which is something that you have to have on sure. in case you crash or the car rolls so you don't mm-hmm. body parts don't come out of the car. And first lap of the race, the window net just apparently didn't get stuck in the right way. So we had to come in and we lost two laps. So we Ooh. fell to 104 out of 104 cars. Oh. And that sucks. 
And not only 104 out of 104 cars, but we're two laps down. So basically, you have to pass 104 cars, mm-hmm. pass 104 cars again, mm-hmm. and then catch them again. Oh. So um, my drivers, um, Mike and Jim, my co-drivers, did an exceptional job. And we kind of fought through the field. Last stint, we were in seventh place when I got in the car, still a lap down. And I was able to run down third place on the last lap in the seventh between corner seven and eight of 14. Mm-hmm. And we didn't think we'd ever catch him. And then as I was getting a little bit closer, um, I was on the radio with people and they're like, you just gotta be five seconds a lap faster than him. And for those of you who race cars, you know, five seconds a lap is a long way, but kept pushing and it was a pretty cool moment. So Sweet. passed him and uh, what was crazy was the, uh, they, they live stream it and they mm-hmm. talk about it for 10 hours. They have two basically announcers. I passed the female announcer's boyfriend for that third place. So if you actually <laughs> listen to the uh, live stream, they're being very biased against me, and they don't—they uh-huh. didn't like me very much throughout it. <laughs> Not in a bad way. They just didn't want me to catch him. Right. Sure. So it was pretty cool. So that sounds yeah, like a we had fun. Well, that's good. We could have won it, but it was the most excited we had ever been to be in third to place be in third because. Place. Yeah. It, Lap one, we thought there's no chance we'll even be anywhere near the top 10. Right. And to get a podium was really cool. Sweet. Very good. So thank you to those guys. That was, a, that was good. That was more than good. That yeah. Was very good. We're very happy. Sweet. Very good. Uh, my shout out is a friend of mine who I've known this person for 35-ish years. Uh, she, I, I got a haircut yesterday. And Looks good. Thank you very much. Uh, this young lady, her, her name is Christine. We've been friends, like I said, forever. And she went, she became a hairstylist. I don't know all the terminology, but uh, she went to school, got her license, and she's been cutting hair for 10, 12 years. And then she went back to school and got her barber license, which is something completely different um, because she, it, it's just a different certificate. Uh, she did it about five years ago, and now she teaches at Mario Tricocci. So she is not only doing what she loves, she, she works at a salon a couple nights a week, but her full-time gig is with uh, MT, teaching young students who want to get in the field. So she just she built herself up, continued the education. I'm going to put a picture up. We took a little selfie after uh, her class. So yesterday... When she was cutting my hair, she was, it was a training thing. So all the four girls behind her are students, and so they were asking questions, and she was telling them why she was doing what she was doing, and I was her hair model. So it was just kind of cool to Whoa, see her in action. Model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just it was cool to see her, I mean, you know, it was just in her element and teaching and molding young minds. I just thought it was cool and worth a shout-out. Very cool. Yeah. Well, so, I'm in the presence of a model. You are. You and are. And a genius. So, uh, no. But I will give no. her. I will give her some uh, some bribes to shave her head next time. Just a oh, buzz cut. Oh no! No! For, no! For no! 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 It's okay. I'll reach out. We'll see. No. Okay. All right. All right, no, model no. John. That's a good shout out. <laughs> well, I'm gonna get into our guest because he sure. is a rock star and Indeed. we've been talking off air about all of his his success from the last time he was on the show mm-hmm. and he was super su- successful last time I'm messing that word up today mm-hmm. um, and he's like taking that success and skyrocketed since then so Corey yeah, really. uh, Warfield he's the CEO of Shedwool 
thanks for coming back on. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, you've done tons of podcasts, you said hundreds of them, and we appreciate you taking the time to come back to Wheelhouse because the last time you were on, you know, I, I had started a small tech company and you came on and I said, whoa, that guy, um, his dedication to what he's doing, his, um, his teamwork with his team, his vision, and the way you were kind of being a trailblazer in, in, in the focus of not going the general way of funding that a lot of people did with, a, with an early on startup was um, inspiring and also mind-blowing. So uh, tell us, again, for those that are new listeners, what Chedwool is, and then tell us what's been going on in the last year or so. I think we had him on a year ago, right? Yeah, about that. About a year yeah. ago. Tell mm-hmm. us what's happened in the last well, year. So I was looking through it, and it looks like maybe give or, or, or take a week or two. I think this is about my, my year appearance, and it's awesome. fun. In that year, a lot has changed. Um, I've seen some really cool episodes of this show, and you know, honestly, a year ago, we were still kind of, uh, we were struggling to, not struggling, we were still in the process of building our full version one. Um, it's been live now for some months, and uh, we're having a lot of success and fun with it. Uh, but I have had moments where I'm watching the show going, wow, I wish that, you know, either I had had this or I've seen a couple of guests where it's like, wow, that's me now. And, and here I am. So things are really, uh, th- things are just really serendipitous. I'll say that what's changed with Shedwell, we, we've, we've grown revenue, grown, grown users, grown products since the last time, but I don't think we've raised, well, we've raised a very small uh, round since then. Um, and and we, we've had a lot of personnel changes, but what's new with the platform is we've now got artificial intelligence and machine learning to help optimize schedules for companies. We keep them compliant. We've now got uh, Volkswagen and uh, YMCA and some of the bigger brands have, have started adopting and we're in some pilots with some of the bigger national and international quick serve. But what I have done and what I'm really pleased about is that I've put together the right team. I think what I did is I identified my personal weaknesses kind of did a SWOT analysis, figured out the weaknesses of the company, and I hired and built for those. And so I I brought on two advisors to shout out. I've got Mike Harshfield, who is a VP of technology for McDonald's Corporation for almost a decade. I brought on Jeff Butler. He was a first franchiser of Blockbuster. Then he helped start Boston Market, then started Einstein Bagels with Boston Market. So the guys helped build $3 billion franchise companies, been running a big dental fund out of Texas for some time. And he's got a new company that will leverage our platform. But he heard what we were doing. He and I just had a phone call. Uh, He was actually a a guest on a podcast that I was on like days later. And uh, the host asked afterwards, he goes, that was awesome. anything I can do for you, let me know. I said, well, can you introduce me to the founder of Einstein Bagels? Yeah. You had them on the show. Like he'd, They'd be a great client for us. And so we had a call, and, and we just kind of, it, it became so evident that we could and should work together. And so bringing them on board for the advisory um, has been groundbreaking. Um, I've been getting out uh, more in the Chicago tech scene. So I, I, big shout out to Built in Chicago. They did a big feature on me, which was amazing and then they had a luncheon and, and they, they showed some love to us that they'd, they'd written on and the people that I'm meeting through there I think last time I was coming off the experience of both an accelerator and a post accelerator in other parts of the country and, and working with other you know founders from around the world which was amazing now I've been back in Chicago for a year I'm like all in with Founder Institute helping those cohort companies I, I've helped build some other companies kind of from from an advisory capacity, um, you know, since then as well, and I think I've just really understood our flow, and I've understood that being scrappy and bootstrapped really is our ethos, and delivering a superior product to our customers, that's the way for us to raise capital, right? We don't need to raise investment; we need to raise revenue, 
And one thing that we haven't done since the last time I've been here is raise prices. We're still, we're loving our price point and we're finding people are coming around, they're, they're understanding they can pay seven times for what we, what we offer with a competitor and get an inferior product or for the lowest price on the market, they come use us and we actually care. And now that we've got some of these algorithms and some of these social components for employee engagement, they do cost extra. And you know, every dollar spent on those is gonna come back richer than you send it out. But we've done what we wanted to do. We've got upsells, right? So we've got right. this really compelling price point that's really helping drive additional dollars to the bottom line of, of quick serves, retail. We've got hospitals, fire departments, a number of industries that use our software. But all of a sudden, we've got the mechanism to, to grow revenue. And that's been amazing. Silicon Valley Bank reached out. They wanted us to bank with them. And they're invitation only and amazing. And it's because of this opportunity that, that we have. Paychex reached out. They wanted to partner with us. Loving Paychex. Um, you know, so all these things, a lot of it's inbound. And I think I would imagine that we're going to get kind of into LinkedIn for a minute just because in my life anymore, it's, you know, people want to talk to me about LinkedIn and, and then bootstrapping companies and kind of in that order. But LinkedIn has opened a lot of doors for us. And I think that's another thing that I've kind of cracked the code on. Um, since the last time I've been in, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to kind of be in the hot seat and, and just jump right back into things. I love it. First of all, congratulations, because there's a, a quote that I think it's originally Bill Gates is everybody overestimates what they can achieve in a year and underestimates what they can achieve in a decade. And what you've achieved in a wow. year, most people cannot achieve in a decade. You know, it, it's a powerful quote um, to, to go from where you were last year, which is already successful, to where you are now having... You know, originally when we spoke last time, it was a lot in the restaurant business. You know, you had a couple other industries that you were looking at. You've expanded so much from an industry base, but to be able to expand from an industry base, uh, have the know-it-all to hire um, your weaknesses I, makes you such a self-aware leader, which a, a lot of leaders aren't. And I think if you aren't self-aware, eventually you'll fail. But you had the know-it-all to do that and then take you know, a sidestep and also introduce, you know, artificial intelligence, which I'll ask you about in a second as well. Um, congratulations, because that's crazy amount of uh, uh, ground covered in a year. So Thank congrats. you so much. And then I'll, I'll say something that, that may be off-putting to some people and other people are going to jump up and say hallelujah, but in my personal life, I am a man of faith. And, you know, I don't care what people call a prophet. I, you know, I don't, I don't condemn, I don't convert, right? That's a, a Ziggy Marley quote, but I just do love God and I get joy from that. And fairly recently, I've started putting that side of me out, you know, whether I'm delivering a keynote or, or whether I'm, I'm speaking on a social media panel or whatever it might be. And it seems as though so many of the right people are just attracted to that as well. And it seems as though, you know, whether you want to call it God or whatever, it is faith in yourself. I think that that faith and that just desire to be part of something good, not bad, right? And like right. to help people and uplift one another and to not compete, but to really be part of something bigger has really contributed to a lot of our successes and my personal successes as well. Fantastic. I mean, your, your personality is infectious. For those of you who are watching and can't be around him, I, I'm guessing it does translate through video as well. But um, your positivity, even, even last time through till now, uh, your positivity is incredible. But your giver's gain and going off of you know, your faith in yourself, you're, you're, you're taking that and you're you're projecting it to everybody else. And I, I think that's really, really important because I'll touch on the LinkedIn thing. You know, you're doing a giver's gain, uh, basically uh, education on LinkedIn. You called it linked learn? Link tips. Link tips. Um, you know, go follow Corey on LinkedIn. I'm going to look at everything LinkedIn related that you do when I leave here today in the next couple of days. John's shaking his head yes, because you're the second person that I hold in very high regard that recently has told me, 
if you're not doing the right stuff on LinkedIn, you're falling behind and you're falling behind rapidly. And you're taking, you're already a busy guy, you're doing a million different things to grow your companies, but you're taking your time to also give free link tips to people so that they can grow their company. So thank you for that. And give us some link tips. Tell us why LinkedIn all of a sudden has become the social platform that allows you to go viral maybe a whole lot easier than a Facebook and Instagram or when we talked about Twitter, it's become kind of difficult to go viral on Twitter these days. Yeah, you know, I, I think Twitter's where people go say stuff that they don't necessarily want anyone else to have heard that they said, so it makes sense. I think with LinkedIn, it's your opportunity to present yourself professionally to the world. And what I found is, you know, once I hit the 30,000 uh, first connection limit and you couldn't have any more connections, I was a little bit bummed. And then I realized I can just go on and follow everybody that's following me. So I've been able to grow really quickly. And uh, what I have found is we've got some of our bigger clients through my LinkedIn activity. We, we have raised, you know, I'm very cautious. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really putting a red stop sign to most money trying to come in the door right now. We just, frankly, we don't need it. It's, it's not, you know, I'd, I'd bring on a value add investor if, if their money means that we get their Rolodex. But that's kind of, that's where we're at, right? Um, but people, because of what I'm doing on LinkedIn, we, we found a lot of people wanting to invest. We found a lot of leads. I get a lot of opportunities for paid speaking work, paid consulting work, all through LinkedIn. And it's kind of bizarre because that wasn't any of the end goal for me, right? I literally, I wanted to establish myself as a thought leader on LinkedIn, the workforce management space. And I realized the way to do that is to not sell your product at all, but to just talk about the problems that you're solving and just yourself and to be really authentic. And um, thank God my, uh, she's not my advisor because every time I mention her on my advisory board, um, she literally changes the subject and uh, she's so busy that she's not watching, but hi, Carrie Luxem. Um, but she told me a year and a half ago She's like, you need to start doing videos on LinkedIn. I don't know what the heck happened, but I started doing a couple of videos and uh, all of a sudden I've got tens of thousands of followers and, and I'm getting all this deal flow. And, uh, you know, I kind of was like, yeah, but you're pretty blonde. I'm, a, I'm an old white dude. Like nobody wants to see me. Um, but I was wrong. Right? A lot of people do want to see me and it's not just me. People love to see each other. People love to be able to tune into anyone at any time on their timeline and look in their eyes and hear their voices and that's it. And the authenticity. So I'll do a voice at my house and I, you know, I won't clean up beforehand. And, you know, my wife's very busy too. So sometimes the house is a disaster and um, sometimes my hair is messed up. I didn't even check my hair before going on air today. Looks you know? good. Well, thank you. Um, not as I'm not a hair model or anything. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm also, I'm also not a race car winner yet, but I'm coming for you. Good, I'm, good. Uh, we'll have to go together. <laughs> my, my, my team's told me I don't want this uh, vehicle, although they're wrong, but I don't know that I'll beat you even with my 500 horses under the, under what the do you hood. Get, what, what car? So I'm not getting it quite yet because I've I've committed to donate at least the. All right, my my team. I, I know I'm being watched right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna get chastised. Let's hear the dream car. It's the Rolls Royce Cullinan, and it's there. they just came out with an oh, SUV. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. It's amazing. There's a uh, YouTuber, and this is off topic. His name's Doug Demuro. He actually does a really good job. He's the he makes the most money out of car YouTubers out there. You might get a kick out of looking at his page. He, um, I just watched his review of that, mm. the Rolls Royce. So check it out. I absolutely will. You definitely I, won't beat me in a race in that thing. You'll definitely be <laughs> much more comfortable, much more fashionable, way cooler than I am in it, but definitely won't win in the race. Well, and it's all-wheel drive, so I'll beat you to the top of the mountain. You know, I go out to Telly <laughs> ride and stuff off, and then it, it sounds so silly, to, but to think that I can go up to, like, you know, one of the trailheads in a Rolls Royce. It, it is what it is. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm silly, but. My car guy recommendation is wait about a year and just get one slightly pre-owned because they do tank. 
You can't do that. You got to do it. You're going to save <laughs> I'm yourself not buying somebody. Grand no, I don't want to buy somebody else's Rolls Royce. That's their baby. I want my own baby. There you I, go. There I love that you can't even pop the hood on that thing. Yeah. It's uh, but yeah, I'm I'm a car guy too. I used to be a Jaguar guy, and they came out with an SUV. I was like, okay, we're yeah. we're, we're getting close, and um, and I was looking at it, and then you know the Tesla SUV, I, I I have mixed feelings about, but you know that was kind of on the list, and then Rolls Royce came out with it. I was like, okay, what do you I'm think of Bentleys? Eh, eh, yeah, yeah, I'm the same. Eh. <laughs> well, good for you. When you get one, I need a ride. Uh, you will, you will absolutely Perfect. be. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to take you to the track. I'll I'll take you to the track. We'll go to the Autobahn. Country Club in Joliet, and we'll race some stuff, and we, we won't damage the the Rolls Royce, but we'll go race other stuff. Awesome! I have one of one of my uh, you know when I, when I talk about investors, we're talking a real small. Not, I don't want to be trivial, but you know, not a lot of money. But one of one of my investors, she just believes in me and the company, and she's amazing. But she lives out in Joliet, and she's got some fun cars too. So awesome! Yeah, maybe we'll have her meet us out there. That's right, Hi, Jen. We'll bring our hair model with us. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. You're that's never gonna live that down, by the way. No, hey, that's fine. That photo of you being a hair model, you put it on air. Do you have a copy of it I can have? Uh, I do. Okay, good. Text I'm, it not, to me. I'm not saying you're going to get it. I'm I just, just going to have to go back and screenshot the video <laughs> if I have to. I'll, I'll make it happen. I was more interested in taking a picture of her and her students than me. I just happened to be in it. Oh, no. Yeah. There you remember, go. Remember when you got me about my birthday singing, I'll get you back. The time, oh. the time will come. Yep. Um, well, congratulations. So tell me about this LinkedIn, the videos that you do. Are they short videos, long videos, instructionals? Is there a magic formula to how much or how little content you should be putting out there? So consistency is key and original content is key as well. Although I have a good friend, Lorena Acosta. Hi, Lorena. I know you're tuned in. She pretty much <clears throat> exclusively... Um, shares amazing videos from YouTube and they do really well. She's got 150,000 followers. She'll get a million views on some of them, but she's really intentional about choosing the most amazing videos that probably you haven't seen. And so if you see her in the feed, those are good for me. I try to keep them as a, you know, original as I can get. And I really do like to switch it up. And it was a great question. I have a kind of long answer, but maybe six months ago, I was starting to get, you know, some, some visibility and some traction on LinkedIn and I was making these videos. I just had kind of an empathetic moment of clarity. I'm like, I'm not watching anybody's videos. I don't have time. And like, frankly, I didn't really care. I was like, I have so many friends. And I literally was going through the feed and I'd comment on all their videos. I'm like, great video. You know, thanks so much. You know, this really opened my eyes. I wasn't watching any of them. And I felt like an absolute a-hole. And all so, those people who you commented are looking out, they're like, yeah. he didn't watch your video. And so I did, a, I did a video saying this is my last video. It's like, I'm a jerk. I'm sorry. I haven't watched your video. And like in the content of the, of the post itself, it's like, I haven't watched your videos. It's like, I've, I've liked them. I've commented on them. You think I've been watching them. I haven't. Hmm. I don't have the time, but, but so shame on me for asking you for your time. I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing these videos anymore. And it was, it was kind of liberating. I hit post. I'm like, cool. I don't have to do videos anymore. And, and for like a month, I didn't do any videos. And some people were reaching out, but it got to a point after about a month where I was starting to get maybe a dozen messages a day from people going, we miss your videos. Why aren't you doing videos? I was like, well, what's like, I, I kind of get it. People like to look in your eyes, hear your voice and all that. But like, I, I've done the videos. Why are they craving them? But so many people are asking for them. I said, what I'll do is I'll start doing 30 second videos. And one of the reasons is I like to close captions so people that are hard of hearing or you know on a bus or something can still watch them. So um, the program I use sometimes had a fluke at about 50 seconds, and then a whole video effort would be been frivolous and a waste of time. But it never crashed out at 30 seconds. I said 30 seconds. I can always close caption. 
I, I can always have time to make that and put it out there and I can commit to watching anybody else's videos as long as they're 30 seconds or less. Right. right? I was like, that I can buy into. So I started doing these and I created a hashtag, hashtag value in 30. And so, you know, I, I don't often know what I'll talk about beforehand, but I'll turn on the, the closed captioning and I'll record a 30 second video and I'll try to have it be something somewhat valuable. And I, start, I started that probably four or five months ago. And I think we're at probably 10 million views, uh, over a thousand shares of those posts. And I probably, those alone have probably got me 15 or 20,000 followers. And so Fantastic. people like short content. Right. And it makes so much sense, right? Time's commodity. I literally started a company to help people save time, like, right? So the 30 second thing is really on brand. Um, and then uh, there was rumor that LinkedIn was going to have LinkedIn Live. And at that point, I'd been named a top voice on LinkedIn and things like that. So I, my, my audience had built fairly substantially. And so, was, you know, people were saying, when LinkedIn Live goes, you're going to have to go LinkedIn Live. And my social media manager was going, that's the dumbest thing ever. Like, this is for professionals that are way too busy to sit around and watch people go live if they want to do that. You know, frankly, they'll tune into AE, AE Wheelhouse, right? You'll go on, on, on Facebook or anywhere else where that is a thing. Right. And you'll tune in. She's like, nobody has time for that on LinkedIn. I was like, well, you know, that makes sense. Well, a couple people, I think they gave 10 people in the world access to LinkedIn Live and you know, I didn't really tune in, but I saw them getting a lot of traction. And every time I went on LinkedIn, it's popping up with this, boom, this person's live. Like, you can't get around that darn notification. I'm like, they're really going ham on this. And uh, about a week later, I got a, a direct message from someone in their corporate office. And I, I had, I, I have some fans that work for the company. So a couple of them had said, you, you guys got to give Corey access to, to LinkedIn Live. So I think I was one of the like first 25 people in the world. And you know, they wanted Great. me to go live. And well, thank you. My, my social media manager's like, that's the dumbest thing ever. It's so off brand. I'm like, well, let's just see what happens. And uh, so I was one of those annoying people for the, for the next couple of weeks. Every time I went live, people are literally emailing me going, Corey, can you stop going live? Like, that's all. I can't go on LinkedIn. Like, when I go on LinkedIn, all it'll do is tell me that you, you are live and then that you did go live and that you're, you'll probably go live again. Like, I, I want my LinkedIn back. Like, I love you. I don't want to block you. Like, so stop going. I'm like, I can't do it. Yeah. And now more and more people have that access. But I find, I started a hashtag, um, live in five. Um, because I use social live and I love them. And so these are five minute videos because some of these people do like hour long live videos and I just don't understand. I'll call it a psychosis of <laughs> like who yeah. thinks people have nothing better to do. We're all professionals. We're all out trying to make a living. Like who's sitting around with an hour to just watch. I don't want to name names. Like any of these people like talk about their masterclass or whatever. Right. So, so I try to keep them to five minutes, but then I did have the company tell me that they were seeing better engagement with some of the longer videos that went live. They're like, in five minutes, people don't have enough time. They see that you're live and then they want to tune in and you're done. And they can go back and they can watch it, but some people fall off and whatever. So just last night, I did a 20-minute live. I was going, I, I have a cohort at Founder Institute and you know, I, I mentor all of them, but, but I'm on some of their advisory boards and I, I love helping them out. I love helping people grow companies and tech companies specifically, but I had about an hour. I, I was back from, uh, from a sales call out in Indiana Dunes. I had about an hour. I figured I'd shout out Founder Institute, and uh, one, of the, one of the people that I just brought on board has her own company also, and they're amazing. So I figured I'd shout out just a couple people. And uh, it's like, well, this is a great time to talk about Shedwell AI, because this is also a great time to be on AE. Like, AI is a big yeah. tongue twister. Right? But we just released our AI a week ago. Like, this is brand new. Right? We, we have our first couple companies in a pilot right now, and it's just, this is the game changer. This is what we've been working toward. Um, but so I was, but, 
let's talk about Shedwell a little bit, right? Like if I have this huge platform and so I, I've got to at least tell people about the value that Shedwell brings to companies and, and employees. And so, so I, I went on this 20 minute diatribe, just kind of about Founder Institute. And I gave the two, in my opinion, they're great life hacks, but they're like the two lamest life hacks ever. I even sure. predicated it. Well, I said, this isn't one of the ones where you put a rubber band on top of a, a strip screw and then you can screw it. Like that's a right. real life hack. My two are kind of, you know, when they fall in the wrong ears, they sound really dumb, but my first one, and you're going to do this right now, and it's going to work, but it's just, just smile more. And like, so I was even on there. I was like cheesing, like, like I just like, yeah, I don't even, like I, I, it was my birthday, right? I had this huge smile. I was like, smile more. So I, I even smiled more, but the, the, the actual chemis, chemicals and, and the biochemistry, just what it does to you to smile. Like when you're in a bad mood, if you just yeah. force yourself to smile, it puts you in a better mood. And yeah. if you're in a group of people and you smile, they start to smile. It makes you smile more. So that was one of them. And then the other one was just to breathe more. I think for me, it's just taking that intentional three seconds in through your nose, feeling the cool air, holding it for just a second, letting it out through your mouth and feeling the warm air through your lips. And it's, it's a meditation trick. Like yeah. it's like... A lot of people know to smile and breathe. And like, I even was kind of clowning myself. I'm like, yeah, those are the two, like, yeah, really, Corey, that's your life hacks is to smile and breathe. Like, like, come on, dude. But, but so many people reached out and they're like, that was amazing. I needed that. Like, I was totally in a bad mood and you said that and I smiled and now I'm in the best mood ever. And like, it's really just cool. And so I think sharing those ideas and those emotions and just being authentic and, you know, sometimes vulnerable is the way to grow an audience there. And, you know, it, it's not only worked for me, but I've now coached about a hundred and some people through the process. Some of them are getting better engagement than I am. Like it, it's almost like you send the elevator back down, but sometimes when then, when they then pass you, you're like, Oh, wait, yeah, wait, don't wait for me. <laughs> I'm only at floor 99 guys. Can I come see the view or what? But I uh, know it's amazing. Good for you. Uh, I have to start following everything you do on LinkedIn because honestly, it, I feel like I'm being left on floor one here and I'm like, let me see the view. Great advice. I was going to ask you before you had mentioned the whole LinkedIn live thing about whether you're pre-recording or going live. It sounds like pre-recorded is what most people can do. And if you're invited at some point, then you can go there's more. Live. I think there's a couple hundred people now that have access, and they're they're aggressively trying to get it rolled out to everybody. So it's a pilot almost to be able yeah. to get it rolled out to everybody. Yeah, it was it, it was a closed alpha, and now I believe that it's a limited beta. Okay, and do you think that once everybody can go live, it's going to be a little more saturated, like Facebook is? Oh yeah. So right now it's, it's people are going to mute it. I'll, I'll mute it, frankly. You know, once everybody can go live, it's it's right. going to be... There's 600 million users on the platform, and I think they say only a million of us or so are active, which is just... You know, it, it puts into wow. perspective, yeah. I mean, what... It, it's still virgin territory. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you, the people that go on and, and send you a, a hard pitch right after you accept their connection request, they'll never do business. The people... I hate that. It's it, it's frustrating. I've now taken it upon myself, and it's a little dishonest, but it's it's to the greater good. I'll comment back, and I'll literally say, it's too bad that you, that you hard pitched me because I need whatever you're selling. Or, you know, there are people, uh, please sponsor me for a visa. I'm like, that's preposterous. Yeah. I don't know you. I won't sponsor you for a visa, but I'm actually about to sponsor a couple people for visas. If you would have done things differently, you could have been one of them or whatever it is. Oh, your, your coaching like services, like it's really too bad that you just hard pitch me your coaching services because I'm about to hire a coach. You're actually oh. teaching them a pretty good lesson and don't, don't do that. I've had some people come back a month later or so and go, that changed my life. I stopped hard pitching. I took your advice because I tell people that, you know, kind of the next step, here's what you should do instead. And people are coming you. back going, I did what you said and it works and I'm closing deals and it's pretty Good for amazing. you for taking the time to do that. You're a very busy guy. You don't have to 
give them that lesson and then also follow up with the, hey, do this different. But good for you. You're, everything that you do really does revolve around this whole giver's gain mindset. You're just constantly giving advice, information, and help to people. And, and I'm glad that it's coming back to you as well. Thank you. Know, you. Tenfold. So tell me about AI, because we were talking off air a little bit about it. I've been reading a lot of articles. I read one with Cuban, with Gates, a bunch of people saying that if they could be their um, young selves again in today's world, AI would be something that they definitely would give a lot of attention to, because it seems like that's where things are going. Tell me about uh, your thoughts on AI, you know, how you all of a sudden transitioned into, and it may not have been all of a sudden, it may have been a long process of getting there, how you decided Shedwool needs AI incorporated. So, sure, and we've we've known that we needed AI since day one. Um, it's just been kind of one of those things where do we go out and raise five million bucks so that we can build our own? And what we did is we aggressively found someone that was building optimal, ideal, perfect algorithms for our exact use case that didn't have any forward-facing platform that wanted to partner with somebody like us that brought this value. And so we found them. They were in, uh, in the Netherlands, in Rotterdam. These, these two guys built a company, the first algorithms as a service platform, and they're all around optimizing scheduling. And the same stage as us started at the same time. They're self-funded. They've had some successes in the past. but. Um, and the way I found them was on LinkedIn. My director. I was of about to ask if they, that, well, that's where you found My them. director of operations saw the company posting something on Facebook about predictive scheduling. And predictive scheduling are the labor laws coming around, around to protect employees, give them advance notice on their schedules, let them know when they'll be working, how much they'll be working, what they'll make, have an audit trail, uh, give them access to their schedule, things like that. And very few people are talking about that yet. It's actually on the dockets for uh, for Chicago right now. Um, it's been rolled out, I think, in eight states. And companies out of compliance will get fined ten, tens over hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. And we keep them compliant. But so it's this whole new thing. And so my director of operations saw this company posting about don't you know don't don't get left behind or whatever. You know, predictive scheduling is coming. And he did a little research. He's like, these guys are in the Netherlands. It doesn't look like they they've got much going on in the states yet. They're talking about scheduling. I went to their website. It doesn't look like they actually have scheduling software at all. So I went on to LinkedIn, sent them both a connection request, went to their their, uh, their profiles, looked at their activity, and it it was clear as day. That's they, they care about predictive scheduling as much as we do, and they they all but said they needed a scheduling partner. I said this is amazing, and I did one of my link tips, which is I didn't direct message them. Why would I? They, that that sounds desperate and. I commented on their post. I was like, absolutely. That's what we're doing with Shedwell as well. I hope you guys kill it. Well, these guys don't get a 1,000 likes on a post like I do. They got about seven of them. So when I was seven of them and when I was one of two comments, they commented back. They're like, wow, that sounds awesome. Two, three minutes later, I get a direct message. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just looked at your website. We just looked at the video of your product. That's exactly what we need. I said, cool. When do you want to talk? He said, uh, well... We're, we're a different time zone. Uh, what, what, is your, what does your morning look like in 12 hours? It's our evening. Let's do this. I was like, okay. He said, why don't you bring your whole team on the call? I said, okay. He said, here's 15 email addresses. Add them, you know, add them all to a calendar invite, and, and we'll see you then. So we had this all-team call, and then it was like 25 people on the call. Both teams just all in, pulled our pants down, you know, I mean, showed each other our, our products loved everything They're like all right what do we do we're like well obviously we partner together They're like all right find find us a couple you know larger test cases in the states we'll we'll customize algorithms for them we'll save them tons of money 
we'll sign them up as customers of yours. We'll do a rev share on the algorithm. So it just fell into our lap. That's but, awesome. But because of LinkedIn. I mean, we, we wouldn't have artificial intelligence if it wasn't for LinkedIn. Fantastic. I mean, what, we should cut that little clip out and yeah, right. have LinkedIn realize like what they've done for you guys and, and these guys out in the Netherlands. I'm, I'm doing a paid master class in about a week through LinkedIn. They're paying me to teach people how to use LinkedIn. So really? yeah, yeah. Um, any way to plug that so that we yep. can... Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'll tune in. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we have on the 17th, we have a free webinar that anybody can, can sign into. Uh, find me on LinkedIn or, or uh, my, my email is CoreyAtShedwell.com. Anybody that wants to join. Uh, if you're seeing this uh, after the fact, um, this is August the 17th of 2019. So um, if it's before that date and you want in, email me. If not, uh, you know, don't. <laughs> or, or do if you want sh uh, scheduling software for sure. Um, but and then the the week after that we started our master class three week class fifty three dollars um, you know limited seats but that's available through LinkedIn or through our uh, my company TIR Global's website and that's just TIR uh, stands for the Indian Renaissance but TIRglobal.com okay. I believe uh, we're, we're we're a consulting company we work with some some high end tech companies and, but I believe if you go to TIR.global you don't need any backslash you don't need, I believe that our website is for the master class right now we're, we're all in at the moment we're really excited about this well, we're gonna have some me for sure and then some of my staff tuning into that awesome. uh, i um you know john and i were talking before obviously you came on air and we we're talking about linkedin because we had uh, get social jack on as well and they were kind of telling me that i'm behind the ball when it comes to linkedin and like i said before you said the same you didn't say the same thing but watching what you're doing has given me the knowledge that i'm way behind the ball and i think like you said, it's virgin territory. You know, it, it would be foolish if you're a business owner, if you're an influencer, if you're just starting a company or somebody who just wants to get your name out there, product out there, your information out there, not to shift a lot of your attention to LinkedIn. You know, and it takes a little bit of time, but the ROI is, I mean, you see it right away and then you see it short term, you see it long term. So what you would do, you would go on LinkedIn and in the search engine, you would literally type Chicago real estate. You would then, and nobody nobody seems to know this. Every time I post about this, I got a half million views on it, and everyone's going, oh, my God, I had no clue. You're going to hit the, the content button to filter the content. And now you're literally going to see nothing but people posting about Chicago real estate on LinkedIn. Now, do you want people that know people that you know for social proof? Filter to second connections. You'll see nothing but second connections who have been posting about Chicago real estate. You can add more keywords. Unlisted. Um bank foreclosure, anything you want. And you're going to find people posting about that. And most of them will have three to five likes. And you're going to give them their sixth one. You're going to give them their second comment. And all of a sudden, you've added value and you're, you're, you're talking to them. Fantastic. And, and you can filter through the last seven days. I only want to see people in the last week. I don't want to be you know picking up some stale stuff. Done. There it is. People in Chicago posting about real estate in foreclosure in the last week that know somebody that you know at your fingertips for free. It's incredible to know that you can be so directed with what you're looking for. Time frame, obviously, I think that's really important, having certain things that are very stale versus things that are very current. And then, you know, customizing it to people that are a connection away from you. Because, you know, when you look on, you know, uh, I don't know, Facebook, I'll use Facebook as an example, and I think Facebook's great for advertising as well. We do a lot of Facebook marketing. Uh, it's hard to see how close and who that connection is. You'll see, you know, you have 100 mutual friends with them, but you don't know who that, the closeness of that connection yeah. could be. But if I see somebody's connected through Corey, you know, th there is some um, credibility to that. You know, they're 
connected through me and you. I, I love that. I, I, I'm beating myself up while we're talking about this, about why I didn't get to it six months ago or a year ago. John does a great job with it. I got to give John credit where, where credit's due here. John's fantastic on LinkedIn. And I'm, I'm guessing John probably looked at a lot of things you do and is learning a lot from you by, oh, by watching. But yep, where sure. I am probably strong on Instagram and Facebook and really weak on LinkedIn, John's really, really strong on LinkedIn. See, we compliment each other. Boom. Look at Very that. Good. Look at that compliment. <laughs> you know, and I'm still, I'm, I'm able to get somewhere between three and a hundred likes on every Facebook post. I'm so, I'm, I'm able to get somewhere between, you know, two, two and a hundred likes on every Instagram post. Um, and, and even on my, on my, on our schedule Instagram, when, when my, my team posts on there, they get 20, 30 likes, which, you know, we've got 2000 followers, but I think for business, that's pretty decent. Really you know, good, we're still yeah. ironing out the content, but you know, those numbers are, they're great if they convert and, and they're crappy if they don't. But like on LinkedIn, every time I post, we're, we're getting at least some type of site traffic, some type of a partnership investment offer every time I post. Fantastic. Yeah. So AI, you know, comes with some fear for some people. And I think it's unfounded. I mean, some of it could be founded depending on what kind of artificial intelligence you're talking about. But um, I um. I want to hear your thoughts on where AI is going, how companies should be aware of integrating AI into almost everything they do, because um, artificial intelligence is becoming um, a larger industry, it's becoming more researched, and um, it's definitely going to become something that, according to guys like you, guys like uh, Cuban, guys like Bill Gates, it's becoming something that um, is going to be on the forefront of the business and technology side of everything we do in the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of, uh, I'll work backwards. Um, I'll say I was in a room with a guy, a CFO of Bank of America, uh, a couple years ago, trillion dollars asset under management. He showed up five minutes late to a 20-minute presentation wearing jeans that didn't fit in a flannel shirt and sat cross-legged on a table right next to the chair that had been, you know, so thoughtfully set out for him. And he proceeded to tell us that he didn't give a, a damn about anything other than blockchain. He's like, that's all that matters in my world anymore, period. And this is three years ago. He's like, it's all about blockchain. And so, you know, there's always everyone. In other words, people in the know always have the next thing that's going to be the big thing. I think some people are like, you know, there are people like Gary Vee that are still super bullish on voice tech. And like, it's, it's happening. Um, but, but I hear some people, there's a mixed camp. People think AI's already hit its heyday. I disagree. But when I talk about AI... I have to mention deep machine learning because in my opinion, artificial intelligence alone is only kind of one half of the battle. And I get people thinking, they took our jobs and, and all that kind of thing. It's really artificial intelligence should never replace human jobs. It should just make human jobs more productive or easier or you know, free them up to do other things within the same job. But with, with Shedwell, the five algorithms that we offer, we have an algorithm that, that based on historical data, real-time data, and look-alike data can literally create your schedule for you. It'll give you the optimal schedule. It, it will create it for you. You don't have to do a thing. It'll hand you. This is, this is the right amount of people with the right amount of skill sets at the right amount of times. We make sure that at the peak times, and they change daily by industry. The peak times, you'll have all the right people there. When it's slow, you don't need all these people there, and it optimizes for all that. So, you know, we, we say 4 to 10% uh, labor optimization uh, on the PNL bottom line. I mean, there are companies with... Uh, you know, 20, 30% labor costs. And if we can drive that down 5%, it can mean millions of dollars alone to some of these companies. Sure. And so we've got another algorithm, takes everything into consideration from traffic and weather. If it's raining, you're not going to need your patio servers if you're a restaurant. Right. Uh, if you're a construction site, you're not going to need the roofers if it's snowing. 
right? And like some of these things are things that an intelligent person might be able to kind of surmise, but when you have all the data points just doing it and, and, and letting you kind of think about other things, it's really powerful. So we've got one of our algorithms is, is around inventory. If you don't have anything to sell, why would you pay people to come in and sell it, right? We've got one to optimize uh, routes so we can be used by logistic companies. We're talking to one of, and I don't know if we're supposed to name them, but we're talking to a national pizza chain with over you know several thousand locations. They, they're interested in an algorithm to help optimize their driver's routes. You know, yeah. Why send them out with three pies, have them come back, get two more, and go right back to where they were? If they'd waited three minutes and taken the five pies, they could have been back 10 minutes earlier and, and taken, you know, and it's literally, it's a way, right, how, do, how do we make 90 cents out, out of this transaction rather than 70? And with the deep machine learning, and this is where it's really exciting to me, is it goes back and it reassesses what it suggested. So it'll go, okay, let's see what would have happened if they would have come back in between and picked up those other two pizzas, what would have happened if they would have had three dishwashers instead of four? Would they have made more money or less? Would there have been less plates to sell more food? And it goes through and it'll admit when it's wrong and it'll optimize for itself. And you have that fully auditable you know, trail. It's incredible. It's amazing. And, and to think a human couldn't do that. No. You can guess and you might be right. Sometimes you might be wrong. Sometimes this is the empirical data saying this is how you're going to make the most money as a business. And whether you're a business owner, that's music to your ears. If you're a manager, you're literally making a bonus based on your profit margins. Labor percentage is what you're bonused on. If you have a computer that can get you your bonus, you're going to take that 10 right. times out of 10. Uh, and so that's kind of what I see. And with AI, I look at you know, we were talking earlier about the whole uh, app that makes you look old, right? Yeah. They're selling the data to Russia and all these things, but data is a huge play. And in the right mm -hmm. hands, and I think that's why GDPR and some of these other labor law and privacy acts are really coming out. But I think people get scared because they don't understand that, that there are people that are going to make sure that this doesn't go the wrong route. I mean, we don't want a computer that can build a computer that can build a weapon and come kill us all. Right. <laughs> right? Right, but, right. But I think, it, it, like, right. But I think as long as we do put in the fail safes, I think at the end of the day, this is all literally binary code written by humans. Right. right. So don't let it be dangerous, I right. think. And, and from what I've seen, and, I, you know, I, I've... I've been inside Twitch, which is the, the largest um, data storage facility in the world. They have their own army. They're in Vegas. I mean, they're amazing. If there was a crisis in Vegas, they have first rights to all the gas stations just to keep their, their power on. Like, it's Get out of phenomenal. Here. You're, you're escorted with people that look like they're stormtroopers with machine guns just to go through and look at the data. They do. They, they said, Kidding. They said they, they house all the data for eBay, Google, the American government, and companies that they couldn't name. Wow. Like, wait. <laughs> like, you, you just name the American government, like the army. But the, there's other companies. And you can name them. them. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But, well, I mean, I mean. But that's the value of data. Right. Yeah. yeah. I tell everybody there's so much value in data. And it sounds like, I mean, everything you just explained, AI, the way you explain it to me equals efficiency. Yeah. Efficiency on a lot of different fronts. Optimization. Right. And that shouldn't be a scary thing, you know. Being being in a more more efficient society, human being, business, um, that should be welcomed. I think people's fear naturally is is somebody, is some computer going to build another computer, like you said, that's going to build an army of monsters that are going to come and shoot us. No, definitely not in our lifetime. It's not a. I mean, it sounds like a sci-fi movie, 
Um, but if, if so, it was our time to go. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess if we're stupid enough to allow that for that to happen, then yeah, there, there are times ready to go. And, and this is kind of what, what I come back to on this is you know, I get that people are scared of AI. I don't know what else to tell them other than that it is happening. <laughs> like, you know, it's being scared of it's not going to stop it. Right. And, and, and I'm very encouraged and enthused to believe that there's no no imminent fear or present danger. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I tell my mom this all the time. She doesn't want to get on. So she loves watching our show, but she'll watch it off YouTube. Because she's like, I don't want to go on Facebook. They're going to have all my information. I'm like, Mom, they have all your information. Anyways, it's, it's, it's out there. She goes, no, they don't. I'm like, they do. You're like, so go to Google. Yeah, go to that Google. That makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> you have Gmail. Don't worry. They got your information. Well, on YouTube's Google as well. Yeah, YouTube's yeah. owned by uh, Google. So it's, um, you know, I think there's that unfounded fear. And it, I think people who are, and I don't want to call my mom old. God, she's going to watch this. She's going to say I called her old in a second. Mm. Well, old so people or your mom. Yeah. You know, pe people a generation, I think, later, and not all people. I'm making a very big generalization here. Um, I think are a little more fearful of this than maybe somebody who's a younger generation who's like, well, shoot, like, this is going to happen. I'm very active on technology, on social media, on every sort of platform. And whether I like it or not, and I'm going to go kicking or screaming, AI is here to stay, and it's only going to develop itself more more rapidly and i've seen some of the you know they're, they're not sorry again mom damn it <laughs> i've seen some of the new virtual and uh, augmented reality stuff too that's not on the market yet some of the stuff from dreamworks and some of that you literally feel like you're in a different world doing a different thing i mean if, if you put on this headset and you're snowboarding you are snowboarding that you you're, you're almost shivering from the cold it's amazing i'm gonna tell you you gotta get if you love cars you love racing i have a friend of mine jim um uh, on Facebook, his name's James, and he watches the show constantly. So, Jim, if you're watching, he has a it's called iRacing, but he set up a virtual reality version of it. And Jim is an incredible, incredible computer guy and set this up. And he does a lot of programming. I went to his house to practice for this weekend, and Jim was on my team. And his simulator virtual reality setup, where I go to grab the shifter that I'm grabbing. I'm in the car, I'm grabbing it. I look around, it looks like I'm in the car. As I'm driving, I used the actual simulator as a driving tool for this track I'd never been to. And I got there and I'm like, holy smokes. Like, had I not used that, I would have had no idea what I'm doing. And it was like exact. I drove Road America in it, which I've driven a million times. And where I look at corner worker stands, when I start to bring the car back in, it's exact. I mean, it was frightening. I was looking around in the car, I'm like, I'm in there. I was sweating when I was done. It felt like I was racing a car. Minus the G4, and you can get rigs that simulate the G-forces too, but they cost a small fortune. Minus the G-forces, I was like, I cannot believe that this technology is here. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, we had a, we had a section of, uh, I believe it was Dow Nightclub, right? Tiesta was spinning. I was in Vegas, and uh, we had the whole virtual reality world kind of come to us, and they were showing us kind of the next generation, and... It's unbelievable, huh? Unbelievable. You're mad at him afterwards. You're like, where's that been all my life? And like, do you, do I owe you my soul? You're like, what just happened? It's yeah. it's insane. Well, and I think techno technology is exponential. You know, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but people say that in the last five years, technology has advanced more than the previous 25 years. And if you look at the last 25 years, it's more than 100. More than 100. And, and it's an exponential level. Do you think that that trend's going to continue? Do you think in the next year we're going to beat the last five years and it's going to be oh, yeah. almost frightening on that trajectory of? Yeah. You growth? know, and I think it's frightening or not, depending no, on the perspective. Not frightening in a negative no, way, but frightening in how shocking. I mean, I, I'll 
Oh yeah, place frighteningly shocking. How shocking it is uh, the trajectory of technology. Yeah, well, and what I'm so enthused by is a surgeon can literally use virtual hands with more precision than a surgeon ever could do, and be right. in a sterile environment without. There's so many things that you can do using all this augmented virtual and then the, the machine learning and the artificial intelligence. And then I do want to bring it to a real level. This blew my mind, I guess, two weeks ago-ish. I had an opportunity to go spend some time with Jack Canfield, uh, you know, help with The Secret, wrote Chicken Soup mm -hmm. for the Soul. And it was a, a conference of his, and so I was watching him speak. I got to spend a little time with him one-on-one. -on -one. But one thing he did for the group is he had everybody stand with your feet planted, shoulder-width apart, pointing out with a finger and how you turn as far as you can go without moving your feet and point as far as you could go, turning your shoulders and to take stock of what was on either side. And he had you draw a laser out from your finger up as far as you can go and see what was on either side of it. Take a deep breath and come back to him. And so do that. And he said, all right, so now what I want you guys to do, take a couple deep breaths, loosen your shoulders. I want you to visualize pointing further. He said, you guys just saw how far you can point. That's as far as you went. You saw it was past that. I want you to visualize pointing a couple inches past there. Okay, so everybody did it. He said, all right, now put your finger back out. Every, and there were probably 600 people in Every single person, 600 however, we all can point a couple inches further. Interesting. It's mind-blowing, like the power of the mind. So when you're in the car, in the virtual reality and you're kind of driving the car, like your mind thinks you're really doing it. There are people that work out in their mind. They just close their mind, tune into their breath, and they say you can get jacked by lifting weights in your mind. Or, oh, and, I'm going to oh, start man. doing that. Well, so couple, in, yeah. well, couple that with virtual reality and artificial intelligence. And it's like, you know, I think some, some people, people are resistant to change. And so, you know, artificial intelligence definitely does change the way that people engage, interact, the way companies do business. I mean, it is going to change the world. You know, if, to what degree we'll see. And, uh, you know, it's, for better or for worse, that's up to us to program, right? It's, right. it's all about the code. But when, when you think that this is kind of all tied into our realities as co-creators or as, you know, a catalyst for us to be able to do more things, you know, then it gets really exciting, yeah. right? And, if, you know, people that don't like artificial intelligence, I'm sure that there are a lot of, you know, and I don't want to be like the news lately and go back to where you come from. I'm not that guy, yeah. but there are probably parts of the world that you can go live in that aren't going to be as impacted by AI for a long time. And yeah. if you need to be an expat and go move down a, you know, an island nobody's ever heard of so you don't have your computer building a perfect schedule to make more money than do that, you know. Yeah, if you want your Nokia flip phone, go get that. <laughs> and play Snake. I don't, I don't even know. If, yeah, if you want to play Snake. I actually used to have Snake on my phone for planes because for whatever reason, I love Snake. But yeah, if you don't, uh, if you don't like that, for a short period of time, at least, there'll be some corner of the world where you can go and, and live like that. Yep. And then you'll see me because you'll be in Antarctica, and that's one of the places I want to explore. I got my sights on the ocean floor, Antarctica, and then just yesterday, one of the other founders at Founder Institute, um, he kind of had a weird vibe. He kind of reminded me, like, and I hope he's not watching, the, the guy that owns the, the, the comic book store in The Simpsons, you know? Yeah. And I'm kind of like, this guy's being really haughty, and like, we're going around, we're like, all right, who are you guys? I'm like, I'm Corey CEO at Shedwell, and I go, yeah, my name's, mm. and uh, my company's, mm. well, it's, I'm not going to be able to present, provide much anonymity here because and we're, we're a space travel company. And we're putting, we're putting space in orbit, and you know, people can, you know, basically buy these satellites that they have ex exclusive, uh, you know, streaming from, so they can see what their satellite's seeing out there and get 360 views. And eventually, we're going to be putting people up there. It's like, send me. 
Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll go with you. I'll split the ticket. <laughs> I'm nobody. Like, I want to go back and be like, actually, my name's nobody. I'm nobody, and I'm not doing anything yet <laughs> like with my life. Crazy. Yeah. Um, when I was in San Francisco, there was an unmanned, um, like, a, a drone, and it was just a controlled drone that kind of, uh, I guess, just takes in data from the sea, like sea levels and stuff. And they had, and it was a big drone. I mean, it was probably the size of this table because I was in the water swimming and I was like, what the hell is that orange thing? Like it's, it, it's floating. I mean, it was, it was kind of like hovering almost. And the guy in the boat was like, oh, it's a, it's a tech company out of uh, someplace in Europe. And they're just, they have these drones that go around and they're pulling data from essentially like water patterns and currents and all this stuff. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, it's crazy where we're going with that. Um, but yeah, I'd love to go into outer space. I uh, would love to go to the seafloor, although in something very safe because there's some crazy stuff. Oh, I've water. got plans. When you, when you, when you, uh, when you stalk my LinkedIn profile later in my summary, you'll see I have aspirations of, of exploring the ocean floor. It's never been, been explored. They yeah. found a boat off the coast between, between Europe and Russia. This was about 10 years ago. They found a boat that had sank in the late 1800s. Uh, with a huge shipment of champagne, royal appropriation to the Tsar of Russia from France. And the way that this boat sunk, it sunk at the perfect speed and to the perfect depth in the perfect lighting that this champagne was perfectly preserved. Get out of here. But a 130-year-old vintage champagne at the time, some of the best in the world. And so those got auctioned for like $10,000 a say, bottle. We, and, have you ever gone scuba diving? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, let's go put on some diving gear and go get us some champagne. Well, so I've got an idea that I will prototype. One of, one of my next you know, kind of BHAGs is uh, I will prototype what, what I've got in my mind it's basically build, building an upright monorail um, that, that's very, um, you know, uh, pressure controlled and everything. And you depressurize at the bottom. It basically, from the surf, it'll send you to the... What a killer idea. Oh, it, there's, I, I could talk about it for three hours and, and you'll be whipping a checkbook out at the end. Like, it makes so much sense. And, and everything about it is safety. There are sensors. And we're not going down as people first. We're sending robots down. But when a robot comes back up successfully without a drop of water on it and the... It's go time. And this is built so, like, if there's something huge down there with teeth the size of my, you know, of me, um, it's, it's not going to be able to affect us. And the thing, uh, we're, we're looking at 3D printing um, as a way to get this tunnel built. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's, we actually fire as, like, a piston, like a bullet in this. In this. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, good for you, man. I, I have a feeling we're going to see him on the cover of Forbes and every tech magazine on the face of the planet. I, I, listen, if you get a robot up there, safely and you need a, a test human to go down there i'm an adrenaline junkie send me down i'm the in. hair model might come with me i'm in if, if he's, in. <laughs> he's like can we do this without a helmet yeah 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 yeah, yeah no helmets right <laughs> does this pressurized tube uh -huh. do anything to my john, flow john, we're gonna get you a custom helmet made I want, yeah, that I looks wanted. exactly like your hair yeah. i appreciate that yeah. perfectly manicured hair of beautiful yours. this beautiful. is gonna be an ongoing joke for so long john and then antarctica you well you can go there now you just uh, so check this out you use go? the same technology that has a little heat on the outside okay, and a little heat on the bottom. And you go far enough in where the friction doesn't affect it. And you build a core going all the way down through Antarctica to the bottom. And I'll tell you why. I am, and, and this, this is, people now, people like me right now, people are going to think I'm crazy in a second. I think Atlantis might be under there, and I'll tell you why. I believe in a theory called crustal displacement. 
And I believe that the poles get so heavy because they don't see any sun, and at a certain point they can't sustain that weight, and the, and the crust shifts. And you look at some of these older maps, there's a landmass that wasn't far from Australia that's not there anymore, that's in about the same shape as, uh, as Antarctica, but it was farther north, and it's on its own plate. Interesting. So imagine if that thing shifted where the sun wasn't, froze instantly, covered by a huge mass of ice, and imagine if there's, you know, whatever you want to say, you know, all kinds of riches or technology or just, I think, the, I, I think there's something under there, in other words, and I think our technology can get us there. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I don't sleep much. Um, listen, listen, you need a human being to go with you. You need somebody to go and explore. I'm in. I, I am... You're A, very motivational, inspirational, but um, the way your mind, I want to say that the hamster wheel just continues to spin up there in a good way is absolutely incredible. Any trips planned? I mean, you, you obviously, I, I, I want to know what Corey tries to plan when he wants to go on vacation because your mind obviously works in incredible ways. What do you like if you're like, hey, I'm going to go out of town and take a little vacation? Where do you plan to go? Well, so I had, I had spent you know three and a half years building Shedwell without a single vacation, and so you know I'm surprised I'm still married and all that. But we got married on the beach in Playa del Carmen. We used to go down to Dominica every year. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be back in Dominica soon. I love the black sand beaches down there. It's actually on, an, on a live volcano, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, and, and we know some of some of the, the you know government and stuff down there, so we're always treated really well. Um, but these last couple of weeks, we've been up in Michigan, just kind of fishing and camping. My wife bought like a, a teepee. So, so we're, yeah. we're, we're going and setting up the teepee and, 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 and we're fishing. And, you know, I, I thought we were going up for the 4th of July and, and we went with some friends and we had a good time and we came back and my advisor said, can you come over for dinner this week? And I said, sure, let me ask my wife. Said, can we go have dinner with Mike? And she said, oh, no, we're going camping again next week. And I thought I told you. So, okay, that's a couple of weekends ago. So um, this next weekend... We're going camping again, and it sounds like I, I've been told that the weekend after that. So it looks like my new vacation life is we're, we're going camping. Well, yeah, and, and um, yeah, we've got a couple tents, so sometimes we'll set up a couple. Um, the last, when we went for the fourth, we had, we had a big camper with my buddy. And so, you know, but she's just loving it, and I, I suspect that we will be looking at property in Michigan pretty Where soon. Where in Michigan? So the, the, fir the first time we went up was to New Holland. I absolutely loved it there. But and then and I don't mean this. I, I don't know who all is watching. I don't mean this. But I, I started to realize. I'm like, I don't know if I like the people that live here. Like just for me, you know. Yeah. Um, so then uh, I don't remember the name of the town we went to last weekend. But but it was a little bit more my style. We're in the town for a little bit. I was like, okay, I, I can I could dig this. But I think we're looking like anywhere Grand Rapids. I think we'd cool. love to be on the on the lake. My wife's from Toronto, so she's loving that. That's even closer, you know, yeah. to, to her friends and family there. How big is this teepee? Uh, I think it says it sleeps six. I've got 200-pound mastiffs, and, and the four of us sleep. We bring an air mattress. I mean, we, like, yeah. we halfway rough it. Um, but so it fits. Glam glamping. <laughs> exactly. Um, and my wife's actually buying a 1972 Ford F-250 van. Very cool. I mean, it's like the Scooby-Doo thing, you know. It's just like, I'm painting it purple. I was like, cool. Everybody's going to call us Barney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love awesome. you. Um, but so we're, we're going to turn this thing into like a little camper in the back. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, when I would go camping with my dog, we'd go up to campgrounds. I used to take him on a trip every year. But I would glamp it. I would go to, um, oh, God, Cruise America. And I would just get a 30-foot RV. And then I would pull into a campsite, hook up to the water, hook up to the sewer, and be like, all right, now I'm camping. I'd bring my little charcoal grill and make it feel like I was camping, set up a fire. But at night, I would just walk back into my RV and sleep tight. It's the way to do it. Yeah, this this last weekend, and I've been eating vegan for a number of reasons for for just some time, and, and I'm really stoked on that. I feel really great. Um, but but it's not like a 
a super priority. And my wife this last week, and she's like, I really want steak. I know you're not eating a lot of meat, but can we do steak? I said, sure. And, you know, because I cook a good steak and it had been some time, I decided to go all out and get a, you know, get a, a decent grade of beef and then a good cut. So I got some tenderloin and uh, just got some veggies, made some skewers and did some baked potatoes over the campfire. It was one of the best steaks I've ever cooked in my life. And not yeah. just because I hadn't had one in months, but like it was just perfect. My, my wife likes mid well. I like medium. They were, I nailed the temp. They, they were, we're cutting them with plastic forks. I and mean, we brought real cutlery, but it was just insane. You know what you got to get? So I, I smoke on a green egg, and my dad wanted mm. lamb and ribs. And I was like, well, I can't do the green egg for both. So I got a smaller green egg. It's called a Mini Max. And you can actually take it's It's made to take camping with you. So it's small enough and you can just carry it out with you and it's got like a little stand that you put together, but it's basically like a mini green egg and it's amazing. You guys should look into that if I, you're going to go camping I love green egg. Um, I do in a moment want to talk about Nap out of Australia that I think particularly for, for you um, would is really something to know. But before that, can I give my, uh, my, my steak cooking tip? Yeah, yeah. I'd mm -hmm. love to hear it. It's insane. I wasn't able to do the, the whole nine yards for this trip, and you'll hear why in a moment. But um, you know, I could have prefabricated them, but I didn't. But basically what you do, and I do a dry rub. Okay. And I learned this at Masters. I was there for years. The dry rub is, is flour and brown sugar with paprika, onion, onion powder, garlic powder, salt, and pepper. But the real secret is the wheat flour and the brown sugar. And what you do is you take a skillet, you get some butter, nice and hot, rub the steak down in the dry rub, and you flash fry it for five seconds on each side, and you're creating this sear sure. in the butter, and it, the outside of the steak will turn brown instantly. And you do it on every single part of the steak. So even on the sides, if it's a thin steak, you're doing five seconds, five seconds, hitting it all. You're searing every side of the steak, and then you wrap it in saran wrap. You wrap that in tin foil. You throw it in the freezer for at least 20 minutes, and all the juices coagulate. Okay. Then when you – I don't care if you throw it on the grill, if you throw it in the broiler, if it, whatever you want to do, salamander, it will be the most juicy and tender steak in your life. And you don't lose any of the juices cooking it because you just locked them all in. John, uh, we're cutting that section out of this, and you're sending it to me, please. <laughs> well, so you're reverse searing it, but you're you're not going directly from the sear straight to a grill or to something else. You're, you're letting you're it not only rest, but yeah, no, and that that super cold. That's what makes it all coagulate. Because I let it rest at the end when I reverse sear, because sometimes I reverse sear, but I never take that little break there to keep the juices in there. I learned that from a chef. Um, that he'd, he'd done, you know, five-star dining as a head chef executive. He actually was an owner-operator when he taught me that uh, that trick. But it's like, he told me it. I'm like, that sounds amazing, but we've got to try it. And so when he showed me, he did it. It's like best steak I'd ever had in my life. I was like, well, you know, but he's a chef. Right. I went home and tried it next time. I nailed, nailed it. it. Oh, well, I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> Actually, mm -hmm. this weekend I'm in Wisconsin with my dad for his birthday. Oh, shout out to my dad, too. Doesn't want to show that much, but shout out to my dad for his birthday. It was his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. So, love Happy you, Happy birthday. But, uh, okay, I'm going to try it, and I'm going to shoot you a message and let you know my results. It sounds like it's a really smart way to do a steak, but I'd never heard of it done that way. Yeah. And I'm on all the Green Egg forums on Facebook, and I, I, I'm if I'm sitting around, I don't have very much to do, which isn't often, but if I have some chance to just look at stuff, I'm typically looking at green egg stuff now. Car stuff, green egg stuff. I've never cooked on a green egg, but I've had people cook for me on a green egg. Delicious. Incredible. You got to get the little one. I think okay. for you, if I'm you're in. traveling you know, to go to a campground, the little one I got is fantastic. You can't cook anything gigantic, but if it's just for you, two or you and three, four, five friends, 
Um, the little mini max is great because you can carry it with you and take it on a camping trip or, um, or put it on a stand at home and cook from there. That's awesome. There's a shout out to a place in Wilmette. It's called the backyard barbecue. store. Mm. it's where I go to. Yes. They're super, super nice. They got tons of rubs and, um, different bits of seasoning. And if you ever need anything backyard slash barbecue related, that's the place to go. So my community garden is up in Wilmette. My dad lives in Wilmette. And so I'm there so often. Fine. And I, I know, well, I know back, backyard grill. Amazing. Yeah, go check them out. They, they have the little, they're called mini maxes. Get, get, get yourself a mini max. Awesome. So before we let you go, because I don't want to take your time. And I think, again, you and I could probably sit here and talk for three, four, five, six hours. And I would not run out of things. Somebody said, a Traeger pellet grill rocks from Tim. Oh, we have a question for you before I ask your, my last question. Maggie said, so will there be a time we do everything in our minds in our homes? I'm, I'm big into smart homes. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we're, we're in the process of trying to make my home, my home smarter. Um, everything in our minds, in our homes. So I, Maggie, I would imagine that what you're asking is, will people not have to leave their house anymore? Um, and actually one of the companies that I'm involved with and on the board of is called Life Simple. And we're reimagining the shopping mall uh, to try to get people together. I don't think that there'll be, you know, there's, you'll be able to do almost anything you wanted because you won't need to leave the house to get food or to shop. You're not going to have to leave the food to do or the house to do most things, but people still need that human interaction. And what I would imagine is that technology is going to continue to find ways to draw the right people together even more in a more productive uh, capacity. I don't think, you know, and and frankly, we look at at countries like China, a lot of the young uh, people in China aren't leaving the house and there's an addiction to video gaming. And I do think that there is, you know, from, from an actual psychological standpoint, there is some merit into making sure people aren't addicted to technology, aren't, don't become xenophobic, don't, you know, aren't scared to leave their house. Um, but, but I don't know that, that the populace will ever have a desire uh, to, to go that route. Um, I, don't, I don't think that the technology won't be there. I think pretty soon you will never have to leave your house if you don't want to. Uh, I would be surprised if that's not an outlier situation. Yeah, I agree. I bet the reimaging of malls would be a very interesting topic because they're basically shutting down. I mean, we could probably talk for an hour. You can this. buy them for less than a penny on the dollar right now. Yeah. Like, and, and then you've got opportunity zones. And like, you know, when you look at it from a real estate play, you're like, yeah, North by North record is, is on its way out here. And Macy's just shut down. I know they're going to start repurposing parts of that area into residential or mixed use. But, uh, yeah, Amazon and all the abilities to get all the things you need online now are kind of killing that um, that business model of having a mall. So w- some of the things we're going to be doing in, in those centers is we'll have a fulfillment center. We're looking to go about seven miles apart at scale, so you never have to wait for anything. But we're going to be doing urban farming. We're going to have uh, chef-driven uh, farm-to-table uh, in the food courts. We're going to have a commercial kitchen for the food trucks. We're going to have uh, co-working awesome. spaces. I mean, and it's really just all about bringing people together. We've got a crypto component, um, but yeah, just super cool stuff. Oh, I love it. I can't, I can't wait to keep following everything you're doing and watch um, your growth, your trajectory, and then, you know, get an insight uh, through I your eyes of all the technology things that you have your hands in and all the information that obviously you uh, are privy to through the people that you either mentor or the boards you sit on. Uh, any new exciting thing? There's a lot of them, but anything that you want to announce with Chedwell that's coming soon or is the AI kind of the new launch? 
Yeah, the, the, the predictive labor law scheduling compliance automation uh, that we'll be driving really soon is exciting. And then our partnership that's evolving with Social Live to kind of drive uh, employee engagement and things of that nature are really exciting. Uh, but another company that I'm involved with out of Australia, and we don't have the full penetration here yet, but I want to mention this because real estate is becoming one of our big drivers. We were about to hit, and I should have checked before the show, we may have broken a million followers on Facebook today, but we're somewhere, I think last I checked, we're at like 970 or 980, and it's kind of, you know, we're all just waiting to break that million mark. But the app is called Work App, and it started off as just a freeway for people to find work and, and jobs in Australia, and it's grown into this marketplace. We, we take no transactional fee for anything, period. I mean, there's no commissions, there's no anything. But when people are listing yachts on there, people are listing houses and property on there a lot. People are selling cars, and we're leveraging a little bit of the machine learning. We'll have a little bit more AI, but I would love to see a market in Chicago. And of course, I would because I'm a shareholder in the company, but I'd love to see a market adopt the app here in the States because the only thing we're missing is critical mass. And if people start to use this as a real estate app here, imagine being able to find buyers for zero commission. Right. I mean, it's... It's pretty, it's, it's pretty revolutionary, and it, it is ad-supported. There are billboards every, I think, seven listings. There, there's a relevant ad, and, you know, I mean, it's, there, there, there's some monetization built into it, but the experience is incredible, and the opportunity, I mean, to think about a, a platform where realtors can, can connect with customers without any of the, you know, bureaucratic red tape or any of sure. the, hand, you know, fingers in the cookie jar. You know, ima- imagine if you make your full commission. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and I have a lot to chat about off air. Uh, I have some ideas in that, and you got my hamster wheel spinning pretty fast there. But uh, congratulations again. I, I could talk to you for hours upon hours. I cannot wait to um, learn from you on LinkedIn. I appreciate you coming back. Uh, we definitely probably should not wait a year to have this guy back on for our third time because in a year from now, he's probably going to be in outer space or at the <laughs> bottom of the ocean, and it'll be very hard to get a hold of him. Well, I, I'm going to say this on air so that there's a record. I don't care how big I get. You guys are one of the first shows that, that I did that meant something to me. I'm a fan of the show, you know, regardless of, of, of who's on. Uh, I like you both as humans. I, you guys are up to cool stuff, too. I, I have some privy information to some of the next stuff that you guys are planning on doing, kind of a next step with this, and that's incredible. So um, I won't specifically uh, come back from Antarctica or, or up from the bottom of the ocean just to do the show, but give me at least a week or two heads up. I will Perfect. always be, this will always be a priority. I would love, and this will be my chair. Right? This, this is the second time Listen, sitting if we in the get a different, seat. If we get a different uh, uh line up here of chairs and stuff we're going to save that one and make it Corey's chair <laughs> i thought you were going to say where i was going to say i'm freaking out man yeah, no 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 we we really appreciate that that means a lot to myself and i'm sure i'm speaking for john that you would say that because you are on a lot of shows and uh like i said your motivation's infectious and i appreciate you taking the time out of a incredibly busy schedule uh, to come back on here again, and I can't wait to watch everything you're doing again. I mean, I'm 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 almost like a fanboy at this point. I just I just want to watch and see all the things you do on the tech side, and congratulations on everything in the past year. Like I said, with that one of my favorite quotes is, "We overestimate what we can achieve in a year, underestimate what we can achieve in a decade." But you've in one year covered more ground than a lot of very successful people do in a decade. So. Congratulations again. That means a lot, and thank you. Um, John, what do we got going for next uh, next week? Uh, so a while back, we had a gentleman named Dean Cassell, mm-hmm. uh, JuiceRx, 
And after the show, we were talking, and he made mention of a Dr. David Plurde. Uh, he yes. said that he would be really uh, great guest, interesting. And so I followed up, reached out and uh, via LinkedIn, matter of fact. And we had a great call, and he's going to be on uh, next week. And he's another person like Corey, where the first time we had Corey on, we had uh, another guest, and it was a great show. And the, the other guest was fantastic. But this time I, I wanted to have Corey, just singular. Uh, same thing for next week. It's just one guest because he's going to fill the time with awesome knowledge. And so I'm looking forward to that. Thank you, Corey, so much for giving us your time. And uh, just what you're doing, and Mo's already said it, you're amazing as far as your drive and your infectious personality and what you're doing. And to take time and come and sit and talk and just be uh, as forthright and, and open with everybody and everything you're doing, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again. And uh, I'm excited. I, I remember Dean talking to us about mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, the doctor, and uh, I'm excited to chat with him as yeah. well. Kudos to you and LinkedIn. John is a LinkedIn machine, man. I Good for it. you, buddy. Love it, love it. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this was episode 60. As I said at the top of the show, the love that we get, the comments we get, the shares we get, the fact that you guys follow us, ask our guest questions means a lot to myself, means a lot to John. We'll see you guys next Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Thanks again. In three, two, one.